spoilers. Your discretion is advised. Sorry, listener discretion is advised. commentaries. As always, I'm your host, Jake Del Mastro, and as always, I'm joined by my very good friend and co-host, Keaton Byer. Hello, Keaton. Hello. How's it going? Uh, going well. Going well. Going well. So, uh, go ahead. No, I don't have any. I thought you were going to say something. Nah, I was just going to introduce the episode. I was I was going to go straight go for, for it. it. I was going to not even do a bit, because as we were discussing earlier, we don't have one. Yeah, uh, we don't have a good bit. So I mean, not that our bits are always amazing, but they are. Um, oh, of course they are. No, no, yeah, top, yeah, top tier stuff, uh, comedy stuff. Um, but no, we're doing Get Out again. This is part yes, two. This is the the second episode on Get Out. If you missed the first episode, uh, it was out last week. You can go check that out uh, on your podcasting service of choice. Yes, yes, except for Spotify still. We'll figure something out. Yeah, so, however, um, before we uh, start uh, going uh, on about this episode, uh, I have some some very bad news that we need to share. Oh, that's right, yeah. So, unfortunately, this week we said goodbye to uh, the legendary actor Willie Garson. Willie Garson, you are an actual true legend. We've actually, we mentioned Willie Garson recently, uh, like, several times with Trek connections, despite him only having been in one episode of Star Trek. Uh, just <laughs> his sheer, like, uh, career having been in over 300 episodes of television and 75 films means that yeah. he is connected to almost everything yeah yeah he's uh Did... he, he you could probably get through a, anything really uh through yeah, him really absolutely um but yeah just uh i would just like to commend his monumental career exactly yeah and he's he's uh, give our condolences to the garson family absolutely he's touched all of our lives i'm sure i'm sure we've all seen an or maybe not but it's it's likely that you've seen an episode you've of television. probably seen something with willie garson <laughs> yeah yeah he is truly prolific when it comes to yeah. television so. known to most people for sex in the city a show that i've never seen but... <laughs> no actually uh, me neither i've seen a few episodes but yeah, <laughs> but you know, he's just been in so many things. Yeah, so uh, yeah, may he rest in peace. 
Rest in peace, Willie Garson. We want to pay tribute to him. Um, so should we should we get into this episode? Yes, yes, we shall. So last week, what did we talk about? Last week we talked about uh, uh, mostly, I think, kind of how they shot it. Um, and yes, and what else did we talk? We talked some music about uh, the music, yeah, and of course, Trek. Trek, yes. So this week we're going to talk about the actual uh, sort of making of details, like the 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 production and the production and all that, and then also a little bit sort of of the aftermath because we mentioned we we would talk yeah. about that a bit because it was a kind of complicated and, and well some intro yeah this is an interesting uh, it had an interesting reception yeah and it was an interesting time period I guess. But we'll get into yeah. all of that at the end of the episode. That'll be the end. So let's, uh, let's, uh, bef- oh yeah, before we continue, I want to start doing this at the top of every episode because I always forget to do this, is uh, 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 just credit the major sources for, for the episode. Um, and for this episode, the major, major sources were Vulture, Forbes, and Rotten Tomatoes, but there are a few other little details around there, but those are the, the, the three big ones. So let's proceed. So we talked a lot about Jordan Peele last week, but we didn't really talk about his background. And we mentioned Key and Peele a bit, but again, we didn't really go into a lot of detail. So that's what we're going to do now. Yeah. So as we mentioned last week, Jordan Peele uh, got his start in comedy. Um, And he started out, he did a few things, but the big one was Second City. Uh, and when I read that, I was quite excited at first because, <laughs> as our listeners may or may not know, there is a second city in Toronto. Uh, but unfortunately, he sorry, was. Sorry, say that again. Toronto, sorry. Whenever I like think about it, I say it with Don't the heart. Don't think tea. about it. Yeah, whenever I think about it, I say it with the heart. Tea. I Why think... do you think about what you're reading? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> um, but so actually, he was in the Chicago second city, unfortunately. Um, yeah. So, you know, good, but not as good. <laughs> Nothing's as good. Nothing's as good. Um, but, you know, he's quite successful in the in the early and mid-2000s. He uh, got work on the Mad TV sketch show, which we have brought up a couple of times, I think. Uh, various, n- not like as a direct thing. I think it's just come up in passing. You know, people's careers have... I've gone through it. Actually, I think uh, the l- most recently we brought it up was uh, Office Space. Okay. The guy who plays. Uh, oh yeah, Michael Bolton. Michael Bolton. So yeah, he was a he was a cast member on Mad TV. Um, and guess who else was a cast member on Mad TV? Uh, was it Keegan Michael Key? It was Keegan Michael Key. Um, so they were. That's I don't know if that's where they actually met, but I'm making that a. a I'm assuming Presumably that. that's where they got together. <laughs> that's where they got together, yeah. Um, so after that, they they got together to produce the uh, the sketch show that we've already talked about, the Key and Peele sketch show for Comedy yeah, Central. Yeah, so I feel like if you knew who uh, Jordan Peele was before this movie, it was probably from that show. Yeah, exactly. So did you ever watch that show? Did you? Was it? A little bit. Uh, not a huge amount, though. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't really like. I've seen a couple sketches, basically. Exactly. Like, yeah, I've seen yeah. some sketches here and there on on YouTube, but I never like watched it while it was airing or anything. 
Right, yeah. But, so, last week we talked about the harness, right? Because we talked about yeah. how they shot that scene. <laughs> and he... For the... the, the um. The sunken place. The sunken place, yeah. And we mentioned yeah. that a uh, 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 Daniel, uh, what's his name, Kalu- Kaluya? Yeah, I think that's his name. Kaluya. Yeah. Um, how he was, yeah, in a, in a, a big like, rig, harness. hanging rig, yeah. And he mentioned that he he had been in one of those in the past. So I was I was determined to try and find the We were trying to find, find the, the Key and episode where it happened. And I, I watched, so I did this past week, I watched a lot of Key and Peele, more than I'd ever seen. And it was quite funny. Um, but, but but you never got to the, uh, you never found the, the sketch you were looking for. I never saw, I couldn't see a sketch where uh, he was hanging. Um, and I didn't okay. really know how to search for that, too. Like, you know, because <laughs> it's not yeah, going to be like in yeah, the name of the sketch. You know, that's not going to be yeah, like. it wouldn't be. Jordan Peele dangles from the ceiling. I mean, you can just ceiling. watch the entire series and see. Like. Yeah, I could. Five seasons <laughs> of television. Uh, yeah, that's true. Probably yeah. could have done that in in a week, but unfortunately, yeah. I had other things to do. Um, but yeah, so the, this this show, I didn't. As I said, we didn't watch it, but um, it was clearly popular because there were viral <laughs> YouTube things that we came across. Um, and it got progressively more and more critical acclaim, particularly apparently the third season got a lot of acclaim. Um, and then there's the whole Obama connection. I don't know if you were familiar with that. Um, yeah, no, I'm, I'm familiar with that angle. Yeah, I think um, that's where I actually first heard about the show probably. Maybe not. But yeah. There was the whole... Like uh, what, the anger translator sketch? Yeah, exactly. The whole uh, uh, Keegan-Michael Key is Obama's anger translator. Uh, and then yeah. he actually did that at the uh, at the correspondence. The dinner. White House, yeah, exactly. I forget what year that was. Probably 2015. Probably, probably the last one. <laughs> well, I know that it's 2015 because I have the YouTube clip open right here. Oh well, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so after the sh- the show ended, shortly after the show ended, actually, like pretty much right after, um. Ken Peel produced. Peel wrote, co-wrote with another guy. Um, they produced a film called Keanu, which uh, again, if you're familiar with the pair, then you're probably familiar with this film. Um, but if you're not, it's a it's a buddy action film about a pair of guys who try and save their. They l- yeah, they lose their cat, right, and they have to go rescue it. They have to rescue their cat, and it gets all tangled up and like you know drug stuff, and it's like an action comedy. I think I might have seen this movie actually. <laughs> I don't think I've seen it. Um, it's called Keanu. Yes, Keanu Reeves yeah. is in it. <laughs> is it named after him? I don't know. <laughs> I, I I almost fell down that rabbit the hole. The cat's name is Keanu, right? Huh? The cat's name is Keanu, right? Yeah, the cat's name is Keanu. Yeah. I I think the cat's named after Keanu Reeves. Right. But I'm not 100 percent sure. If we right. ever talk about that movie, <laughs> that fact will be revealed. Absolutely. But yeah, so so this is kind of like this get out period i think it was more of an idea than it was a script he was working on at the time but it was an idea that he was working on for quite a while um he he he, it kind of started as an idea that he described as a a film that did with race what rosemary's baby and the stepford wives did with gender um 
And I actually have a little quote from Peel here if you want to read that about that. Sure. Uh, when I talk about movies like Rosemary's Baby and The Stepford Wives, I really noticed that these movies were able to address fears surrounding the women's lib movement in a way that was engaging, not preachy, but fun. It occurred to me that nobody's really made a thriller about race since maybe Night of the Living Dead, which was 48 years ago. Yeah. So. I mean, that might be a bit of a stretch about what Night of the Living Dead is about, but yeah. Yeah, yeah. I think maybe is the is a very operative. Yeah, exactly. Since maybe Night of the Living Dead. And There's that's some only because... stuff in there, but it's, yeah. So, so yeah. This has kind of been, he's been thinking about this for a while. Um, and then in 2013, Keegan-Michael Key uh, plays a side role in a film called Hell Baby. That's an interesting title. Yeah, it's exactly what it sounds like. Is it like an exploitation kind of horror movie? I don't actually. Well, it's about it's about a uh, a couple who have a demonic baby. Right. Okay. Um, I think Keegan Michael Key plays the neighbor in that film. Okay. Um. So, but this film it the it was done with a producer named Sean McKittrick, um, who worked for QC Productions. So while they were making this film, uh, Keegan-Michael Key, you know, tells McKittrick that he has to meet Jordan Peele because, as we've discussed, Jordan Peele's a huge horror fan and he has tons of horror ideas. And presumably because they're, you know, partners, they've discussed all this. So he's like, oh, well, this guy makes horror films. I have to get him in in a room with with, uh, Jordan Peele. Yeah. So that's sort of how they get the ball rolling on uh, Get Out, I guess. So uh, 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 Sean McKittrick and, and, and Jordan Peele, they meet for coffee uh, because of because of Keegan-Michael Key. Um, and Jordan p- pitches him a bunch of films. And one of them, he's like, okay, here's one you'll never want to make. And then proceeds to pitch him Get Out. Do we know how he pitched it? <laughs> no, I, I didn't. He didn't say how he pitched it. He just said that it was... Uh, uh, well, McKittrick said that it was a, a film that he'd never seen when he pitched it, and he was like, "Okay, I've never seen this. This is interesting. Um, I'll I'll hire you to write this script." And apparently, he said that uh, Peel looked pretty surprised when he hired him based off of it, the idea. Right, off the idea that he didn't think would get made. Yeah, yeah. So, so he starts to write this script for uh, for QC when. It gets into the hands of one Jason Blum, and I don't know if you could figure out which production studio he works for. Is it Blumhouse Productions? It is Blumhouse Productions. He's a CEO. Jason Blum, CEO of Blumhouse Productions, uh, heard of the script through a producer at another agency uh, who apparently had passed on the project and was like, they made specific. Uh, a note in the article I was reading to mention that he no longer, this producer who gave it to Jason Blum no longer worked at the studio that had passed on Get Out. (laughs) I (laughs) I thought that was a funny detail to include in the article. (laughs) Right. Um, And then also Jason Blum said, quote, uh, he had, or he had heard, quote, uh, from an assistant who heard Jordan say during an interview that he had a horror movie. So apparently this is how Jason Blum gets gets wind of the project. Um, so he gets his hands on the, scripts, on the script and immediately loves it. 
and uh, is like, okay, we'll make this film. And as we discussed last week, they only make films for five million bucks, or less, or less, or less. Which this film was four point five. I think we, yeah, we figured out. You know, once again, that's just uh, that's a way to you know minimize uh, your losses. Right? Exactly, it's a smart you know? way to make movies. Yeah, exactly. And I think the reason uh, he 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 was even more confident about the project. Uh, Jason Blum, I mean, about funding the project was the fact that um, Jordan Peele, like, he is a first-time director, yes? Yeah, but he's not unknown. Yeah, A, he's not unknown, and B, he's had a lot of experience running... On set. On set, running shit. Like, he's he's been a showrunner for Key and Peele. And exactly, yeah. I think, you know, some showrunners might argue it's more difficult or demanding than directing. Yeah, I mean, it depends on what you're doing, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So there's a, a lot of discussion about the, uh, as we kind of got into last week as well, the whole comedy horror thing. Yeah, so, so Jordan Peele has, like, kind of talked about this in a couple different ways. Uh, yeah. He says, like, a big part of it is I've been wanting to do a horror movie for a long time, and luckily I've got... I've kind of gotten something of a training through comedy. I definitely felt confident in the fact that it's a genre that all you need to do is work the story and the scariness and the emotion. Um, if you can get all that, you can make a decent movie in this genre. And then he goes on, uh, he says about comedy and horror, he says, as with comedy, um, I feel like horror and the thriller genre is a way one of the few ways that we can address real-life horrors and social injustices in an entertaining way. We go to the theater to be entertained, but if what is left after you watch the movie is sort of an eye-opening perspective on some social issues, then it can be a real power, a really powerful piece of art. Like, really, the only comedy in this movie is the one character. Yeah. It's uh, uh, Rod. Yeah, well, it, in fact, this last quote, this quote here, it, or sorry, um, this quote here is really speaks to that. Yeah, he says that basically the laughs come from the characters, the relief and the release of characters responding to things the way they would actually respond in real life. I thought that was a really good way of putting it because it's like it's not it's never funny in the way that like the plot isn't set up to be funny it's just the characters reacting to things in a funny way yeah well i mean and in a believable the comic relief character uh who has kind of this certain attitude towards things uh just his reactions are just gonna be funny yeah exactly and even not i like i come like are there really many funny bits besides him like i guess there's a few like the obama line is kind of funny oh yeah that's true. But no, I mean I feel like it's uh it's pretty tonally consistent. Yeah. 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 I think thriller I mean, he it, comes back to thriller a lot when he when he's talking about it or talking about his directing. And I think right. that Well, you know <laughs> I don't know. I, I have kind of a, a perspective on the term thriller, which I find really funny, and basically, um, okay, is that like you call it a thriller when it's a horror movie, but you know you don't have enough budget to actually show the horror stuff. Interesting. Until, Interesting. You know. Thriller is a horror movie without the budget to show the horror. 
Yeah, basically. It's like <laughs> thriller light or horror light. Interesting, interesting. Yeah, because, I mean, like, a thriller is supposedly, like, a, like, the idea is, like, the, uh, the main driving force of the movie should be, like, the suspense of something actually happening and not the thing actually happening. Suspense or tension, I feel like, is the main... Tension, yeah, tension or suspense, right? Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, because, like, I mean, for example, with this movie, nothing really happens until the very end. Yeah, but you can tell something's not right. Yes. And it gets progressively it, more clear that something's not yeah. right. So what I'm saying, that's part of what makes something like more of a thriller instead of like outright horror, right? Right. It's true. You don't actually, well, you don't see, the horror elements do not become clear until very until far into the Until the movie. very end. Yeah. And I think that part of the reason for this movie specifically is just because of the budget, right? Yeah. <laughs> like, I, Yeah, it's true. I wonder if he had like 25 million bucks what it would look like. Yeah, well, what would be different? Yeah. Like, would if, we have If not more... all of it would just be them talking, uh, basically. Yeah, exactly. Would we have... Because, like, pretty much most of this movie is just people talking. Yeah, like... yeah, totally. It's exactly what it is. It's people talking and acting kind of s- strange. Spooked out, yeah. like It's people being spooked out by other people talking. <laughs> yeah. And then there's that one scene of the brain. Yeah, so, but, yeah, that's... Because that's at the end of the movie. That's where they get all the. Yeah. So would there be more brains? Stuff out. I wonder. Would there be more brains if there was more money? Yeah. I think yes. I think yes as well. Have you seen uh, his uh, uh, his next film, Us? Uh, I don't know much about it. I knew it exists. Okay. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I I just find it funny, like that. You know, basically a thriller is a horror without the horror stuff. I normally think of thrillers like someone being chased. <laughs> I don't know. Right. Why. Well, they don't get caught though. That's the thing until the end. Yeah, they don't get caught until the end. Because they can't do all this, you know. I don't know. I I I just think that there are a lot of things that are called thrillers that are basically just horror movies with too low of a budget to. Yeah, that's a good observation. <laughs> um. What uh, so the last thing uh, Peel said about about the 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 comedy? He says at its most comedic, it'll be like Scream or the original Stepford Wives. Again, that comes up. Um, so no, it's a horror movie, but it's a satirical premise. I think he he right. he in one interview he settles on the term social thriller. A social thriller. Yeah. Okay. That's interesting. Yeah, be cool because he does. He he owns up to the fact that it is like, uh, it's clearly a a social commentary. Yeah. Like obviously it is more than that as well, which is why it's a great film. But that's it's deeply entrenched in in that. Yeah. No. No. Definitely. Like, um, you know, while like the film like may work without that like the question is whether or not it would have been the kind of film that it is without that is yeah probably yeah, not exactly and we'll talk about that a bit more in the in the in the next section um but yeah yeah so at this point it's it, we let's it's about 2015 um and he's got a working script and it's being sent around to actors um so for the two leads, the two lead uh, characters, uh, Rose and Chris, 
or I, perhaps I should say Chris and Rose in order of importance. Um, right. <laughs> it, it seems as if Peel was pretty sure early on about who he wanted to cast. Yeah, I thought his what he said about casting Rose was pretty funny. Yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> and very true, because I didn't see it coming. Um, oh yeah, so uh, the woman who plays uh, who plays Rose, Allison Williams, said uh, Jordan told me that he had always pictured me as Rose because Peter Pan or Marnie would make it easier for people to trust me. I was looking for a role that would weaponize everything people take for granted about me, so I instantly signed on to it. Good call. Yeah, no, like, once again, just, uh, you know, sort of the way she plays it is very disarming, you know what I mean? Incredibly, incredibly, yeah. She totally has you you fooled, because she does this, like, uh, uh, you kind of, like, this naive... Oh, she's learning about racism for the first time kind of act. Right, yeah. And she's just it's just disarming, you know. It's just she just seems harmless. But also like, you know, there very much seems like at the beginning to be like some separation between her and her parents or whatever, right? In terms of like attitude, but then you realize like, you know, she's exactly like them. But I mean, yeah, I I also think part of that has to do with like, you know, um just the way that they like dress her and like the way that she presents on screen. Right. Like, um, yeah. Cause I mean, generally characters historically in film that look like that, you know, are generally not the bad guys. Yeah, totally. Exactly. So they do yeah. exactly. Like, like she says, they weaponize everything that people take for granted. Um, yeah. which works very well in this movie. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, she also asked, apparently, she said, um, quote, one of my first questions to Jordan was, if her whole family died and she survived, would she keep doing this? And he said, yeah. <laughs> Which is super, that's supposed, because she was kind of confused, because I think a whole angle of this is, well, she's clearly just got Stockholm Syndrome, right? She's the youngest in this horrible family. So. Yeah, but like. Also, like, she was never not like that, you know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. Well, they wanted If to... she's been, like, raised from birth like this, like, you know. Exactly. They wanted to make it... She wanted to, like, make it clear that she was cold as ice. Yeah. <laughs> Which is why... I, I think there was another thing um, that uh, Jordan Peele said where he's like, a lot of people misunderstood the way that this character was supposed to be like that she was like abused or something and like uh and then he was like no she's just evil she's just e- and that's i think why they even added the milk scene yeah because that well, was apparently yeah, added exactly. fairly late right because they wanted to really portray that no she's she's a fucking sociopathic cold yeah what kind of fucking psychopath listens to the fucking dirty dancing song and drinks milk like, she was drinking milk and eating uh, Fruit Loops separately. Yeah. Like, she was, like, yeah. it was all supposed to be... And I think Jordan Peele even said something like, milk is gross, if you think about it. Like, it's weird. <laughs> like, it's a weird thing. So, it's, like... Right. It was a very specific scene. And she, apparently, um, when she would get into character of, like, the real Rose, um, she would, like she would not talk to anybody on the set and she would pull her hair back into that really tight ponytail 
and she would right. walk around all stone faced. And apparently, she like freaked people. People like didn't want to talk to her and shit because she was well, freaky good. as you hell. Know, it's, uh, it's, uh, it's commitment to your craft. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> um, so, uh, about Daniel Kalua, Kaluya? Kalua. I don't really know how to pronounce that. I, I think it's probably Kaluya because I don't think it's like the drink. Not like the drink, right, yeah. <laughs> um, apparently... Uh, well, I mean... If you call Kahlua a drink, I think that's kind of gross. But actually, yeah, fair enough. It's that. It's an ingredient, ingredient for other drinks. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's like drinking. Never mind. Milk. Uh, <laughs> 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 um, yeah, exactly like that. Um, about Daniel uh, Kaluuya, he uh, Jordan Peele said. Um, Quote, I had seen the Black Mirror episode 15 Million Merits, where Daniel basically was the British version of Chris. Um, because, as we mentioned last week... He is actually British, He's right? a British man, yes. So, he goes on to say, I needed someone who could be the subdued, patient, sensitive character. And I also needed the primal, passionate explosion at the end. So, I haven't seen that episode of Black Mirror, but... Neither have I. Presumably, so, unfortunately, presumably there was an explosion. Yeah, and because he says he's basically the British version of Chris, there's some similarities there. So this is basically we're getting up to the filming period here, but because this is Peel's first film, um, and he is seemingly quite intelligent with all the decisions he makes, he wanted to learn a bit more about directing. Uh, so he had a series of meetings with several different directors. Firstly, he met with a guy named Peter Atencio, I think is his name, uh, who was a frequent director on Key and Peel, and as well as he had also worked on Keanu. So that makes sense why he uh, why he met yeah. him first. But apparently, he also met with Edgar Wright. Um, yes, uh, Edgar Wright, known for. Uh... Movies such as uh, Shaun of the Dead, uh, Hot Fuzz. Uh, Classic films. Yeah, you know, the list goes on. The list goes on. Um, and then he goes on to say, Peel, um, quote, I also met with director Leigh Winnell, who wrote the Insidious movies and directed the third one. Also, a horror director named Lucky McKee, of whom, of whom I'm a fan. I made the little rounds of my little fanboyness. Um, I looked into Lucky McKee. That's the link to his IMDb there. Um, I haven't seen any of his movies, but apparently the one called May is quite... It, that's his That's his breakthrough film. Right. Or his I cult assume film. It's a, uh, yeah, I assume it's a sort of a cult horror movie that if I was uh, a horror enthusiast such as Jordan Peele, I would be familiar with. Precisely that. what I believe uh, is, yes. Um... Wow. But yeah, so he meets with all these directors to kind of figure out what he's doing. And then that right. brings us to... Yeah, we kind of talked about like uh, this kind of situation when we were talking about Office Space because Mike Judge was also a first-time director. Yeah, right. Uh, you kind of just have to learn from like the people around you. Yeah, totally. Because I... it's like, you know, I mean, like you, there's no like, you know... Um, class on how to be a director i mean there is but, there is um, but you, <laughs> you know but you know you you kind of have to learn it like you know, from other directors or 
you know, as you go. Yeah. So, yeah, I think, because Mike judged it too, you said, I think, like, the the smarter first-time directors... Actually, there's a lot of similarities, I think, between uh, Jordan Peele in this context and Mike Judge <laughs> at, at this point in their career. It's true, actually. There is a lot of similarities. Yeah. They're, like, both been given the reins of their first film it's kind of low budget yeah although you know fucking office space didn't win an oscar <laughs> office space did not although maybe perhaps it should have been nominated for a screenwriting oscar yeah maybe <laughs> um wait what year was that was 99 1999 99 yeah. go to the what are the oscars for 99 who won the screen what okay. were the screenwriting oscars for 99 Okay, okay, so best original screenplay was American Beauty. <laughs> okay. Also nominated was uh, Being John Malkovich. Okay. Magnolia, The Sixth Sense, and Topsy Turvy. Okay, well, I don't know. I don't necessarily know how well uh, uh, Office Space would have stood up uh, against some of those, but. Yeah. I could see it in the list. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Um, but anyway. We digress. Um, so they're about ready to begin production here, which they do in uh, February of 2016. Um, and they begin production in L.A. Um, and th- I'm going to let you read uh, Howry, who played Rod. Uh, his Yeah, so Lil, Lil Rel Howry, uh, who plays Rod in this film... Uh... He said that the first thing they shot was the airport scene in L.A., and it was just me. My hair person at the time, I don't know what he thought he was shooting, but he had no clippers or anything. I was like, hot irons? What do you think you're shooting this? Rick James? Man, I'm the only person on the color sheet. I couldn't get a fresh cut for my first pig motion picture, man. (laughs) That's funny, yeah. That was hilarious. Yeah, number one on the color sheet, couldn't get a haircut. Couldn't get a haircut. Didn't even have clippers, hot no. irons. And so that that also does mean that that like that's the hair that he has to have for the rest of the movie. Yeah, yeah, it, it totally does mean that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> such a such a ripoff. Yeah, I know. Uh, well, I mean, it's a five million dollar budget, right? Yeah, yeah, you're fair enough. <laughs> they don't have what enough. Do you think we got a barber on staff. Yeah, they can't afford to get a fucking haircut for Laurel Howery every time. Yeah, exactly. Well, yeah, exactly. Uh, um, so after they shot this one scene in L.A., that was the airport scene. Right. Where he's on the phone at the airport. Um, the whole production is moved to Alabama due to some undisclosed, quote, tax break that they missed out on in California. I couldn't really figure out huh. what they're talking about, but one of the articles I was reading... Uh, there was probably something going on in Alabama that was allowing them to do something. Yeah, what Yeah, what I was just going to say is, like, I assume that they missed a tax break in Alabama, or in California, and then ultimately it turned out it was going to be cheaper to shoot in Alabama, so they moved it. Right, yeah. Because it all seemed kind of last so, minute. So, I mean, it's interesting, though, that they shot this in the South, and we're apparently going to be okay with shooting in California when the thing takes place many miles away in upstate New York. Yeah, yeah. Well, and most of it's at the house, right? And, like... Yeah. So, I, I, Jordan Peele also, like, said, like, he wanted to make sure very specifically that, despite the fact that it was shot in the South, that it was not intended to be set in the South. 
Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. It that doesn't come across uh, at all. It clearly seems like it's upstate New York. Yeah, exactly. Um, I mean, especially because you know they're in New York at the beginning of the movie. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. That's the implication. They drive somewhere, so it has to be close. Yeah, yeah, exactly. The Alabama thing was totally a, a, a coincidence. <laughs> exactly. For yeah. uh, for tax break reasons. <laughs> yeah. Um. So yeah, apparently there was much ado about which house they were going to shoot at. Um, I mean that that makes sense. Like it's it's the it's the whole movie. Basically. Of course, it's a character. You know, you... What did they, yeah. what did they say in Knives Out? Yeah, they called the house a character in the film. Right. In Knives Out. Yeah, I mean I don't think the house in this movie is as important as it is in that movie. But no, no, you're right. It's not quite as important, but it does. It, it's very important. Um, apparently, yes. Peel had to abandon his dream. Uh, house he really liked one but according to one of the producers it was quote two hours from anywhere in the world so oh yeah that's gonna be a major thing yeah that's <laughs> an issue. um so yeah. then they were gonna switch between two different houses because peel liked the inside of one and the outside of the other um right but then they were like this isn't gonna work Presumably due to budgetary reasons, because you know you're just gonna have to rent. Wow, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Double <laughs> everything up. Exactly. Well, you're gonna have to do probably a lot longer time shooting, right? Yeah, and they only shot for 23 days. Right. Yeah. Exactly. So, which is probably how they turned in under the under the four and a half million dollar budget. Exactly. So finally, they decided upon um, a house at. <laughs> 6892 Heathcroft Lane, Fairhope, Alabama, United States. Right. Um, Is that anywhere close to Greenbow, Alabama? Let's find out. That's that's. <laughs> I don't know if Greenbow, Alabama exists. Does it? I don't actually know. I don't think it does kind of thing. Well, maybe it does. I've never looked into that. Let's find out. Does Greenbow, Alabama exist? No, there is... There is Greensboro, Alabama, but uh, there is no Greenbow, Alabama. They where's Greensboro? <laughs> Uh, it is, uh, I mean, it's in Alabama. Yeah. Alabama's not that big, but, uh, let's find out. Um, it is in the western part of Alabama. It's in western Alabama. It is south of Birmingham and west of Montgomery. South of Birmingham? <laughs> it's not that important. It's very important. Okay, so this is right on the coast. This what the ha- this house, the... right? Okay, so it's nowhere near Greensboro. No, it's south of Mobile. Okay, right. Yeah, okay. it's way down south. So important things about not this movie, Greenbow, Alabama, is made up. <laughs> we'll talk about <laughs> Forrest Gump one day. God, we will. It'll yeah. be a great episode. It'll be a great ten-part episode. Um. So this is a great detail about this film, though. Um, So while filming in Alabama, because obviously it's all super short, short uh, notice, short term, et cetera, et cetera. um, So they rented at a hotel that was supposedly haunted for everybody to stay at. Uh So another quote from Howery here. This sounds familiar. Uh, The hotel felt like it was run by ghosts, you know. Daniel used to run at night, which I thought was crazy. When I first got here, I was coming from dinner, and I saw Daniel in this hoodie and shorts. He kind of creeped me out. I was like, man, what are you doing? I'm just running. At night? Around here? You're crazy. What are you trying to do? Get into character or something? (laughs) (laughs) That was great. I thought that's hilarious. 
running, yeah. going for a jog in a hoodie at night in the south. Yeah. Um. I mean, I guess there is that night running scene, but that's not even him. Yeah, it's not even him. But yeah, so... And then there's another quote from McKittrick, the the producer who uh, introduced or who uh, Keegan Michael Key introduced uh, introduced him to. Um, he said, "I had my daughter going down the hall in one of those little cart things, and all I could think of was The Shining." Well, how can you not? <laughs> yeah, those are what the older portions of the hotel are like. They're very much the Overlook. <laughs> nice, hilarious. Um, so I looked up the hotel because I'm I was curious. Um, yeah, and it was you know the Overlook doesn't exist, right? No, I know we've I well yeah. we I think we may have had this conversation off air before. Right. Okay, yeah. Um, but yeah, the, so the hotel was built in 1847, and it served as a Confederate hospital during the Civil War. <laughs> Ooh, this is very spooky. Yeah. According to the hotel's website, 300 Confederate soldiers died there and are buried on location. Really? Yeah. Okay, that's very spooky. Yeah. So there was definitely ghosts there. No doubt. Yeah. No doubt. Confirmed ghosts. Yeah. So apparently, uh, um, what's her name? Uh, Williams. What was her first? Allison, Allison Williams, yeah. So apparently she rented out like a house. Right. Because I guess she's the richest person. Cast member? Yeah. Yeah. She rented out like a house that she lived at that had like apparently like a big property with like a fire pit. And they would all just hang out there all the time apparently like uh, after. after. Well, because you don't want to be at the creepy haunted hotel with all the Confederate ghosts. Yeah, exactly. There's fucking Confederate ghosts everywhere at the hotel. You don't want to stay there. (laughs) Yeah. So yeah, they would hang out there instead. And apparently, and she said it like it was awesome because it was like if it was shot in L.A., it would have been very much like a job. But because it was shot here and they all hung out all the time, it was very much like a community, and like it kind of allowed yeah, nice. the actors to kind of really get, uh, you know, to know each other really well. But yeah, they were filming. They were there as you as you mentioned, or did you mention this? Anyway, they were there during. I don't think I did. Okay, well, they were there during the 2016 election campaign, which was a tumultuous time in America. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we won't talk about it too much, clearly, as you don't want to, but... What? <laughs> from your tepid response to my... the te- I mean, you know, it's uh, it's worth mentioning. I only mention it because it's relevant to both the the production process and the aftermath slightly. Um, yeah, oh no, it definitely is. So they were filming during the election campaign. Uh, and do you want to read what Jordan Peele said about about this? Yeah, so he says, I went to Alabama with my own stereotypes and preconceived notions about getting chased out. There is a feeling that you're in Trump country. But I have to say, those stereotypes were proved wrong. People were very sweet, very open, and there's a lot of film lovers who are very intelligent. Ultimately, I loved Alabama. So there you go. He had a good yeah. experience. I mean, like, you know, only 57-something percent of people down there are uh, <laughs> Trump supporters. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I and don't know. That's a made-up number. I don't actually know what it is. Yeah, it's not a real number, but it could be. Um, it could be. It could be. Yeah, apparently the uh, the other guy, uh, Daniel uh, Kaluuya, 
he he's he was saying that he yeah he was like a little bit disconcerted that because there was like Trump signs everywhere in the towns. Yeah. Um, but I guess, I mean, he was he was British. Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't know that from watching this film. No, he did. did, did I guess as we said last week, he didn't really talk a hell of a lot. No, but I mean, when he did, it was not clear that he was British. So no. he did a good job. He did a good job, and he's got he's got a very British accent. I listened to him talk in his oh, normal yeah? voice, and it's. Do you know what kind of British accent he has? No, I'm not. I don't know anything about that. Is he is he like a Londoner? <laughs> like I don't know. Actually, he dressed like one. <laughs> All right, let's let's hook out of here. This find out where he's. Uh, yeah, yeah. Well, I just got, I'll hear the accent, and maybe I will be able to tell. If I can't tell, then I don't really care. <laughs> yeah, he's de- definitely from London. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, also, uh, I just looked at his Wikipedia article as well, and he is from And London, he's from London, so there you go. Which confirms my view of his accent. Yeah. It's because of the way he dresses, you could tell. Um, <laughs> uh, so, apparently, also, the whole, was it Armitage family? I think it's Armitage. Armitage, apparently. Maybe it's Armitage. Armitage, whatever. It doesn't matter. I don't know. Ar- it's it's probably Armitage in this context. Yeah. Because they're Americans. Yeah. Exactly. Um, they apparently the whole like uh, Catherine Keener and uh, uh, I forget all the other <laughs> actors' names. Allison Williams. What's the guy's name? I don't remember either. Um, somebody who doesn't have quite as much clout as Catherine Keener, so I don't remember who he is. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I feel like he's been in TV. Bradley more. Whitford. Yeah, he's been in more TV than he has movies, I think. Right. So I recognize his face, but not his name. Right. Anywho, what was I saying about him? Oh, yeah, they, they like, hung out, apparently, in character, like, as a family. They, like, did family things together in as character. As a really creepy family? Yeah, exactly, as a really creepy family to try and, like, get into character. Uh, right. That just really creeped me out imagining them not with cameras on them, like, acting like that. <laughs> Drinking milk. Drinking milk, yeah. So also, yeah, 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 we talked last week about the crying and we weren't sure about it. But Yes, is there a uh is there a um explanation? Well there's a qu- how he did that? Well there's a quote here from McKittrick that sort of clears right. it up. Right, okay. He says the hypnotism scene where he is immobilized was really astonishing. Daniel can control a tear in every take. He uses so much energy when he's acting that he literally just goes and lies down afterward, and then he goes right back into it. It was exhausting to watch. So I'm led to believe that he's... I'm supposed to believe that he's just doing this on command? Yes, that's the implication. I No, I don't think so. You're not buying it, Jake. There's too much water. I'm not buying it. Jake's not buying it. Okay. Well, I, I, I buy that he can, like, you know, cry on command, but not that much. Not that much. Okay. So that's, you heard it here first. Jake does not buy it. And the search. F- like, maybe he just, he maybe he's just keeping his eyes open so much that, like, they just, you know, yeah, I don't maybe. know, dry out. And then, like, maybe he's got a, I don't know. But he's doing something. Something. There's some physical aspect to it. It's not It's not entirely in his head. So you're going to have to see him do it physically in front of you before you're going to be convinced. Yes. Okay. We'll see if we can... I don't think you can get that much water to come out on command. You have to be doing something. There needs to be some method. Let's email him and see if he gets back to us about it. We will. We will. 
hey, hey, Daniel, will you just send us a video of you crying on command real quick to prove that you can? I still think it's onions. Okay, you think it's onions? I, I think it's onions. Uh, I'm. I think he can do it. I buy it. Not that much, man. Okay. All right. Well, we'll have to see what he says about it. Um. Speaking of uh, speaking of him, he was uh, in the final scene. He was obviously he was covered in blood. So while they were filming, apparently the owners of the house wouldn't let him go inside because he was covered in fake blood. Although they didn't yeah. say fake in the article, they just said blood. Presumably, it's fake blood. One would hope. Otherwise, that would be very unsanitary. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and even if it's real blood, one would hope it's not human blood, very least. Yeah, that too. But you know. But I mean, like. Let's say it's like cow blood, right? Yeah, that's very unsanitary. Yeah, yeah, and that's gonna go off in the time that you're gonna be yeah. filming too. And you're gonna smell terrible. Yeah, it's not gonna be fun for anyone. Um, so yeah, probably uh, you know your standard um, corn syrup uh, mixture. Classic. Um, so he, he was uh, relegated to sitting in a like on a plastic seat in a van. He said he felt like a leper. <laughs> I was like, oh, poor Daniel. Well, I mean, yeah, but I mean, to be fair to the homeowners, like, I totally get that. <laughs> you yeah, don't yeah, want the yeah. production to just fucking, like, cover your house in blood. Yeah, I, but I feel like they could have <laughs> put, like, a tarp down for him, let him go inside and sit on a chair. Yeah, maybe. I don't, I don't know. know. I guess not. <laughs> I guess not. But yeah, that's most of the production. Um, but yeah, so speaking of, like, um, sort of the final scene there where he's got all the blood on, uh, that actually apparently wasn't the the only way that they filmed it. Yeah, well, there was a there, that was in fact the second go at it. That was the second ending because yeah. they uh, they had an alternate ending. Originally, there was a, a different ending. So you've seen the you've seen the the actual ending or the the original ending rather. Yes, I have. And to be honest, while I was watching the movie, that's the way I thought it was going to end. Yeah, I I thought so Like, as, well. as soon as he stabbed the guy with the antlers, I was like, oh, he's going to get arrested. Because <laughs> this is definitely way more force than is necessary. Yeah, yeah, well, I, w- I don't know about necessary. Seems like just... Actually, I don't, I don't know what the laws are in the States about appropriate force in self-defense. Yeah, yeah. But I know in Canada you're not supposed to use more force than necessary. Excessive force. I feel like a jury would have looked the other way in this case. But that's Maybe. clearly speculation. I mean, if there was enough evidence to say that, you know, yeah. what happened happened, right? Yeah, I suppose. I'm assuming that the jury has seen the film. <laughs> exactly. Which, uh, in this hypothetical... But, like, I mean, yeah, no. Like, definitely, like... Uh, so, in the... In the original ending, he gets arrested. Exactly. At the end of the movie. That's the While difference. he's choking out his, his ex-girlfriend, I guess, now. <laughs> yeah, well, in the, yeah, in, the, in the original ending, he chokes her to death. And I think she actually yeah. dies. And then the cops come. And then the cops come. Because I think in the actual ending, she doesn't die, no? Um, I think it's inconclusive. Well, I, I mean, she doesn't die immediately, but like maybe she'd die from all the bullets. from the other wound. But I just mean he doesn't he doesn't yeah. choke her to death. He starts choking her and then not completely, and then uh, thinks better of it and then just leaves her. Right? Yeah, yeah. Um. So yeah, in the but I mean like, 
Yeah, because I was thinking while I was watching this, it's like, what the hell are the cops going to think this looks like? Yeah, totally. <laughs> exactly. <show>. Totally. <laughs> so apparently this original ending where he gets, so he gets arrested um, and he ends up in jail. And then like uh, Rod comes to the jail and is like, you know, trying to get him out of jail. And uh, Chris is like, he, he's just. Not he's having none of it. He's just like I did what I had to do. Yeah, he's you know? just a broken man. He's just well, not broken. Yeah, broken's not necessarily the right. Well, actually, it is the right word. He's just like it is. Yeah, he doesn't care about being in prison. He's just like yeah. fuck. I did what I had to it's do. It's a super depressing ending, to be honest. It's a much. It's an infinitely more depressing ending, and apparently, it, yeah, it, it tested horribly. Um, people hated it. They said it felt like it sucked all the oxygen out of the room as soon as that happened. Yeah, I mean. That doesn't surprise me at all. Like, people <laughs> were loving the film, people were on board, and then soon as, you know. Yeah. yeah. Um, but that's one of the other things I think, like, I think definitely, like, the way that they changed this movie to end, where it ends where he, he wins and he's rescued yeah. by his friend Rod. Like, um, I think that that is, that makes the movie a lot better. Uh, because, like, for example, I was saying, like, earlier, I was saying, like, you know, this movie's pretty unpredictable, right? Yeah, but that's the one so thing it's you like, predicted. Because I was immediately thinking, like, you know, he's gonna get arrested, and then they almost they almost did it where you see the 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 lights from the car. Yeah, right. And even in the original ending, that's the same. <laughs> yeah, it's almost exactly the same, except then when he opens the door, you see it says airport on it. Yeah, yeah. And then you know it's Rod. Exactly. And it's TSA. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and yeah, the fact that they ended it with like a comedic note too is kind of kind of good. It was. It was. But like, yeah, it definitely. If it feels like more of a payoff, I think, than the other version. Yeah. Well, I was gonna bring up so because this came out. This was I. I. I think uh, one of the articles I was reading it called it the first, th- the first high-profile film of the Trump era or whatever, because it came out. But it's not really a movie of the Trump era though, because it was written. It was written and filmed you know, pre-Trump. Exactly. Uh, I mean, he was definitely he was around a person that was around, but like, and as we said, just said, it was filmed during the yeah. the campaign, so he wasn't even elected yeah. yet. Um, but yeah, I, 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 yeah, no, I, I, I definitely think that that's that part of it's probably a bit overblown. But I, but you know, I think media narratives at that time were very much uh, nobody really knew what was going on. Yeah, I think everybody was trying to like you know say something. Well, but they were like. I think the reason that it, 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 like, they were saying in the article that I was reading, like, and the people, it was the, the I think it was the Vulture article, because this one had a lot of quotes. Um, they were saying that, like, uh, the fact that Trump had just got elected made that, like, that, like, it was in the forefront of people's minds that the original ending Definitely. was what would have actually happened. And it was just so depressing they're like it felt like a gut punch like we couldn't do that so my thoughts right, are like you know if that movie were made now for example maybe they would keep the original ending you know i still think that that would be a bad idea i i agree i, still think, I think it makes this, the movie like i like i mean ultimately like you know movies are shaped by you know the context of the time but i think like you know a movie shouldn't be reliant like shouldn't like make or break based on the fact that the time is what it is, you know. No, yeah the the uh, the the best ones are evergreen, like exactly. It's... And like, yeah, no, I definitely, 
I also just think, like, movies that end on a high note, you know, make people feel better and people like to watch those. Yeah, people like those movies, especially when they've been difficult to get through in some ways. Exactly, yeah. And, I mean, like, it doesn't take out any of the commentary that he wanted to say in the movie either. No, and in fact, it's... it it Because... It it retains all of that actually, and it even you know re- you see the, the the lights coming, and you 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 think you know what's gonna happen. Exactly, and that's that's what I was gonna say. It's like it even retains the other ending because you assume that that's what would have happened if it were the police. Like yeah. you you don't even have to uh, do that yeah. ending because it's so obvious. <laughs> yeah, which is depressing as shit. But you know, that's that's a different conversation. Uh, right. Um so this uh as we mentioned this was nominated uh as a I think we mentioned this last week. It was nominated as a comedy in the Golden Globes, which I think Very strange. Very strange. I think that stoked all the a lot of the media shit as well. Yeah. About the like horror comedy. What what how do we how do we classify well, this Once film? again, I think the reason that it's considered a comedy is literally just because that's who people know Jordan Peele as. Yeah, exactly. And because uh, it Will Del Rey with... has that fucking... Yeah, yeah. But, I mean, that's not even most of the movie. Um, what was it? Uh, I mean, it's, this is a common thing that happens to comedic actors and everything. Yeah, they um, get pigeonholed. Well, not just actors, but directors. and Actually, well, Mel Brooks... Uh, well, he did a couple serious movies, which he did under a pseudonym because yeah, exactly. he knew that, like, if anybody like fucking Smart knew it was him, they wouldn't guy. take it seriously. Smart yeah. guy. Um, yeah, like, apparently it was nominated because the 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 producers put in the category, right? Like, they choose that. So apparently they did it because they thought it would perform better in that category, allegedly. Yeah, I mean, maybe. It's it's all kind of a political thing. But, I mean, like, also, like, I think if you're trying to win an award, you like, nominating something as a horror movie is probably not a good idea. Well, yeah, horror movies notoriously <laughs> Because horror horribly. movies invariably are considered to be trash. Yeah. And I think that that's you know, a shame. Well, not because there aren't a lot of bad horror movies, and there are. Like, well, what do people say? Good horror is just drama, right? It's not. Yeah, I mean, whatever. But like, you know, it's it, there is this perception that horror movies are in general low schlock, quality. Yeah, schlock, and you know, and I think you know, in a lot of cases, that's honestly true. But like, you know, that doesn't mean there aren't horror movies that can contend. Yeah, and I think that you know that was definitely something that I think a lot of people were not happy about uh, when this movie got nominated. Yeah, well, among other things, which we'll get into. Well, yeah, let's get into um, it now. This was such a contentious Oscar film. People were so yeah, contentious. Yeah, exactly. Like, (laughs) and they're for no reason. Like. Let's let's get into it right now. So it, it it was nominated for four Oscars. It was nominated for um, best picture, best yeah. director, um, best actor for Daniel uh, Kaluuya, and best original screenplay. And it won best original screenplay, which yeah, which I think is you know probably the one it 
deserves most. Probably. And that's usually, honestly, the one that they give to, like, the best picture, like, wow, you, we wanted to give you best picture, but there was this other one that... Well, I mean, there's also best director. That, there's, these but are... But, like, once again, I don't think that the directing angle of this movie was, like, the most, the strongest part of it. Not that it wasn't, like, perfectly good. No, not totally. But that's not what made this movie interesting to me. Yeah. Yeah, no, totally not. It's the uh, it's the screenplay over the directing or yeah. anything. Yeah. Um, apparently, there was a lot of drama between Academy members, specifically between older yeah. ones and younger ones. Well, I think that there were a lot of people who outright refused to see it for varying reasons. So, yeah, well, they did. Well, there's a bunch who who didn't see it and were voting and speaking on it otherwise. People were like, like it was very weird. I mean, that's dumb. Like, you shouldn't be. Like, if the film got nominated, right, watch you it, should yeah. watch it. Otherwise, why the fuck are you voting on this? Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, we all know the Academy is fucking dumb. But yeah. Like, you know, and I don't remember... I don't need to be the one to tell you that. I think, if I'm not mistaken, this was the year after the Oscars So White year. Oh. Do you remember that? When there was no... It was only white people nominated for every category one year. Like, to be honest, I was pretty fucking checked out of this kind of stuff around this time. Yeah, fair enough. Well, there was a... There was, <laughs> there a, was a lot going on. <laughs> yeah, there was this this whole thing about only... Anyway, this is the, just... The, the the Oscars are were accused of being fucking racist as shit, or rather the Academy was accused of being racist as shit because there's, like, right. very few people of, of color ever win or even... Even nominated. Or nominated, yeah, yeah. Um, but anyway, here's what one uh, anonymous Oscar voter told The Hollywood Reporter. The, so this anonymous uh, Academy member. Coward. Uh, sorry? They're a, yeah, go, on the record. On the record. Uh, <laughs> instead of focusing on the fact that this was an entertaining little horror movie that made quite a bit of money, they... St- they started by trying to suggest that it had a deeper meaning than it does, and as far as I'm concerned, they played the race card, and that really turned me off. In fact, at one of the luncheons, the lead actor, Kaluuya, who is not from the United States, was giving us a rec- lecture on racism in America and how Black Lives Matter, and I thought, what does this have to do with Get Out? They're trying to make me think that if I don't vote for this movie, I'm a racist. Um, so... Oh, it's, and then he says, I was really offended. Uh, okay. Um, I think this is one of the people who didn't watch this movie. Yeah, I think you're right. <laughs> um, but also, like, this whole thing about, like, um, why weren't they focusing on the fact that it was an entertaining little horror movie that made quite a bit of money. It's like, I'm sorry, do you not know how Oscars work? Yeah, like, what money? <laughs> like, what... <laughs> What are you I was talking just saying about? like about like what fucking horror movie, what little horror movie that was commercially successful do you know that has ever won a fucking Oscar? Exactly, and I think that's what he's trying to say. I think he's trying to imply that it has no right to be there. Yeah, and I think I, I think this person's trying to imply that the only reason it's at the Oscars is because they played the race card. But it's also like uh, the thing with uh, what does you know all that stuff about racist America, how to do with Get Out. It's like, have you seen yeah, the have you fucking, seen the fucking movie, movie, dude? Yeah, exactly. Like, what movie were <laughs> you watching? Like... Oh, not watching it, clearly. Yeah, like, it's like, what business do you have voting on? 
like because i can only i can only you know take from this that they didn't see the movie yeah so it's like what business do you have voting on oscars if you haven't even seen the it really shakes your faith in the academy doesn't it (laughs) yeah like you know my faith in the academy which was oh so strong iron iron yes we all know you know faith in the academy i had but this podcast holds the academy's (laughs) opinion to the highest possible you know standard um you know it's uh you know gospel it's I I'm really I'm taken aback by this uh, this shenaniganery. <laughs> the shenaniganery is ridiculous. Yeah. But yeah, so there you go. It's pretty fucking stupid. Yeah, it's dumb. Like you know, I I like. But I mean, hey, it won. So well, uh, one screenplay and one best pick, win best picture, which I think. Right, but I mean, what 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 else was up that year? Right, like. Um. Yeah, what was best picture that year? Yeah. Oh, is uh, the Shape of Water? Okay, yeah. I haven't seen that movie, but anyway, we're not talking about that movie. So no. that is the end of our uh, our uh, uh, regular programming. Yeah. I also think that's in. Oh, I mean, no, we're not talking about that movie. I was just gonna say because we were just talking about how science fiction, how uh, sorry, horror movies don't win Oscars, but that's basically a science fiction movie. So. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's well, the Oscars. We should do a whole Oscars special, maybe this year at the oscars yeah. next time there's an oscar next time the oscars roll around we'll do an episode on like the current commentaries uh, honorary oscars yeah exactly yeah that'd be great um oh you know what it should be called what it, it, it should be called the william garson memorial award yes. for best picture <laughs> yes the william garson memorial award for best picture agreed yeah that is the crane kick commentary award for best picture <laughs> yeah um so yeah. Uh that 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 brings us to the next segment here. Um the final segment of the day. And you know, uh I don't know what kind of segment would that be? It is a logical negation of a falsehood type segment. <laughs> So what are you going to tell me about all of the uh, kidnapping brain surgery that's going on? Well, I was like pretty curious. We are going to talk about brain surgery for sure. Um, right. So let's talk about, first of all, I was looking into brain surgery. There's no... You know, it's a hobby. It's a hobby. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's <laughs> no... I was just looking into brain surgery. Um, you know, I, I was I was thinking of trying it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um would you want to? You can't be that hard. You want to give me a hand with that, actually? Um, uh, no, you can do that on your own. But uh. um, so yeah, I was looking into brain surgery, and I wanted to know about people transplanting brains and all that, and and stuff like that. And I came across this guy named Robert J. White, um, and he is apparently the guy who is the most uh. He's the guy to go to when you're talking about human brain transplants because okay. he was super in to not brain transplants, but head transplants. Uh, so what was this guy's name? Robert J. White. So let me just read you this little excerpt here. 
Robert J. White, a professor of neurosurgery at Case Western Reserve University, Cleveland, Ohio, has been the man most likely to give us this history-making operation a go. He has openly talked about it as an option for the likes of quadriplegic Superman actor Christopher Reeves. Um, or could put his brain in another body, or his head on another his body? head on another body, um, or Stephen Hawking, and he has the skills. White yeah. pioneered many surgical techniques, including extracorporeal hypothermic perfusion where brains are chilled to 10 degrees Celsius to allow blood flow to be interrupted for up to an hour. But he became famous, notorious in vivisection circles for his experiments in the 1970s in which he transplanted the heads of rhesus monkeys. Mm. So it took a it took a team of so this is horrifying first of all, but I choose to Wait, so 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 are we talking about like is he like switching heads between monkeys? We'll get into it. He's a, this is a, or is it like two monkey heads on one body? N- no, one one head, one body. Okay. He's not trying to make a freak of nature here. Right. Not like uh, the Russian scientist Vladimir Demikov. Oh no, you've look, you're looking into it too. Um, well, <laughs> no, I just I remember this actually. I remember reading about this. Uh, there was a Soviet experiment that's very similar, which we might get into after this. Okay, sick. Um, also, two-headed individuals are not freaks of nature. I'd like to walk back my previous statement. Two-headed individuals are totally normal, unless they are produced via this yeah. Process. Well, exactly. I was gonna say my first thought was uh, like when I was thinking about drain blood. Or brain transplants. I was like, I'm almost positive the Nazis did this, but I don't want to look into that. <laughs> well, the Soviets did it for sure. Well, yeah, and if the Soviets did it, we'll talk about if that. If the Soviets did it, you know the Nazis did it. So it it took a team of thirty to continue the article here. It took a team of thirty doctors, nurses, and technicians. Chalk marks on the floor were used to choreograph the procedure beforehand. After a monkey eventually survived the eighteen-hour operation. A cheer went up when it immediately bit the finger of the nearest assistant. Oh, God. Um, This is after the transplant. Yes. Post-transplant, it bit someone's finger. And now this is where it gets slightly disappointing. Of course... I assume the monkey doesn't survive long. No. Um, Of course, White's monkeys were left paralyzed from the neck down. There was no chance of knitting together the section spinal cord. And so it was mostly a technical exercise in swapping over blood supplies and sewing muscles, um, et cetera. Mm -hmm. So, and they all died after nine days was the longest one survived. Wow. But this guy's, so in the early 90s, White began to prepare for a similar operation on a human. He went down to the mortuary to practice on cadavers. His procedure involved cutting through the neck at the fourth vertebra, dissecting blood, dissecting out blood vessels and exposing the spinal cord. Metal plates would be used to mate the two halves. Um, and then it g- right, so he's trying to figure out what to do about the spinal cord issue that he didn't yeah. have a solution for yeah, at the yeah. time. 
As a fallback, White had his brain cooling equipment to buy extra time during the switching of blood supplies. His main concern, he said, was not the operation itself, but handling tissue rejection afterwards. Yeah. Okay. But, um, <laughs> sorry, this is, a, this is the last little, little bit. Uh, White had a medical rationale for the procedure. He admitted the pa- patient would end up a head on a pillow, paralyzed and no longer even uh, the breath control to speak. The donor body would have to be ventilated and drip-fed. Yet, a terminally ill cancer sufferer or a quadriplegic with multi-organ failure might take this extreme option. At least they would still be able to watch Oprah on the TV or listen to Mozart, <laughs> White commented. Uh, did he get any volunteers? No, but he indicated that the only thing... Oh, okay, this is, this is great. Last thing about Dr. White here. At least I'm assuming he's a doctor. I don't know that they've actually called him a doctor any time during this article. Um, why, uh, he indicated the only thing really... Uh, he is a doctor. Okay, good. Actually, he's double doctor. Double doctor? He's both an MD and a PhD. Well, thank goodness. He's a double doctor. Would you trust him to transplant your head? I mean, not my head. Or I, I wouldn't trust most anybody really transplanting heads, but I guess if... I guess, to be honest, this guy probably is, like, the most qualified the in terms of the field of head transplantation. <laughs> but but I'm not going to volunteer my head. You're not going to step up. Well, he indicated the only yeah. thing really holding him back was the need to raise several million dollars to pay for the operation. That's it. Right. White was not so concerned about the blessing of hospital authorities as he had colleagues in Kiev and elsewhere eager to take part in this groundbreaking uh. neurosurgery. <laughs> When was this? The 90s? That was the 90s, yeah. Okay, this website yeah. is no longer uh, active. It's only... Uh, the last time is it was active was... Oh, it's been active as recently as okay. 2021, June, but it's no longer online. Oh, okay. Right. Okay. So this article so, is from um, uh, Dico Domestic. All right. So let's talk a little bit about the Soviet experiments. Yeah, okay. Tell me about that. Apparently this is... this. Apparently... This is uh, a foundational uh, part of uh, of what helped Robert White uh, be able to do his work. Oh, really? Okay. So he was apparently familiar with these experiments, which happened in the 1940s and 50s, by one Vladimir Petrovich Demikov. Oh, wow. is the 40s and 50s? Um, yeah, who, who was well known for having uh, performed uh, the... Is it the first... Uh, but anyway, he's he's well known for his uh, his um, dog head transplant operations. Oh God! In which he created a two-headed dog. Oh God! Poor dog. Um, so uh, in 1954, this is just reading off Wikipedia quickly. But uh, in 1954, is arguably most bizarre experiment. He translated a do- he transplanted a dog's head onto another dog using vascular connections to the host dog's heart. Ignoring the condemnation from his critics, he continued with this particular line of experimentation, becoming more successful with time. His transplantation work was widely reported inside the Soviet Union, where it was continuously criticized for being unethical. But it was not until the late 1950s that news of his experiments spread out to the outside world. Um... In fact, by the time American surgeons became aware of Demikov's 
uh, head transplantations in 1959, he had already been performing these procedures for five years. Jesus Christ. Yeah. So he just sewed dogs' heads on to other dogs. Yeah. Just and over so and I over again. That, yeah, I believe that the um, the last dog head transplant happened in 1959. And I presume none of these dogs made it for very long um i'm just wondering uh if both dogs died or if only one of them did i assume the they both dog. died yeah yeah well like because um okay no that was a heart transplant never mind um so he was also into that as well but uh, uh yeah sorry no, never i read about this just years ago, the head but... transplants yeah, well, you know, it's all similar stuff. <laughs> I mean, heart transplants, that's a, that's a, that's a actual, you know, medical procedure. Yeah, 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 that's true. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, yeah, that's, that's about the Soviets. Um, but we're not talking, like, the get-out's not head transplants, is it? It's brain. No, it's, it's, it's brain combination. So, that's never been attempted on humans for... Obvious for reasons. For obvious reasons. However... Or not not that we know of. Not that, yeah, not reportedly. You know, in some basement of a big house in upstate New York, there might be yeah. something happening. I guarantee it's happened, but not in a <laughs> not in a controlled, studyable way, I don't think. That, right. I'm, that, that, that I'm aware of, at least. <laughs> but what has been, in the 80s... Um, a scientist named uh, Dr. Dorothy, Day, uh, Dorothy T. Krieger, she, in the 80s, transplanted a piece of brain successfully from one mouse into another. Which piece of brain? She said the transplants involved a specifically bred strain of mice um, that produces both normal animals and some mutants that completely lack a crucial substance called LHRH, or luteinizing hormone-releasing hormone. LHRH, which is produced in the brain, controls production of yet another set of hormones, the gonad tropins, which affect the de- development of I sex, what those do. sex organs. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, Shockingly, I thought that might be the case. The gonads. <laughs> yeah. Uh, in the transplants, she said, the part of the brain that normally makes LHRH a piece smaller than the head of a match is taken from the donor brain and dropped into a natural cavity of the thimble-sized brain of the adult mouse. Then, she said, we just leave it alone. The brain cells grow in the cavity, which is near their normal location, and begin to send out nerve fibers that hook up with the rest of the brain. Hmm. Somehow, Dr. Krieger said, the nerves know just where to grow and they make the right connections wait so she doesn't she doesn't do like any connecting herself it just kind of happens it's what it seems like based on this she article kind of plop it in they just kind of it sounds like she just it, i'm picturing it super moist like just super yeah ugh. um yeah um that's kind of weird yeah, but i mean weird, i yeah. guess there's some Utility to that. Yep, and that's a New York Times article from 1982, so clearly not much has come from that. <laughs> or maybe there has, and you're just not reading the right shit. Yeah, exactly. Like, I mean, I'm sure stuff has come from that. Like, I'm sure they've learned something or other. I just mean, 
there haven't. I mean, there's all sorts of experiments with like mice brains. Yeah, and we don't have human brain transplants yet, so. No. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I'm not a doctor, but I don't see why you couldn't do it. <laughs> yeah, well, there you go. I don't see. I mean, why that might couldn't... be why I'm a doctor, but, but... I'm sorry, that might be why I'm not a doctor. But uh, you know. Yeah. Well, none of these stories really t- t- uh, tackle the philosophical debate of brain transplants, though, and like, who are you at that point, or like a head transplant? You know. Well, I mean, I don't think we've done it on like humans or anybody who can talk. So I know, but that's why it's just a philosophical. I think that uh, you know. What would we'll, happen? We'll not know until then. What would happen? What would happen? I don't know. Maybe what happened is what happens in this movie, where the 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 transplanted thing takes you over. Takes you over, but you have to be hypnotized first. I don't know. Maybe. Yeah. <laughs> well, anyway, um, that is the end of the truth. Right. Um. Did we find any truth? We talked about very true things. Brain transplants. Yeah. 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 Very true things. Um, so yeah, there you go. That's the truth. So to end our uh, our series, our two episode series on Get Out, uh, why don't you give me some of your final thoughts? Uh, yeah. Um, it's a good movie. You should go watch it. But <laughs> if you have been to watched it, then why did you get to this point in the podcast after we told you? To not listen to this until yeah. after you watched it. Yeah, in fact, we should, we should, uh, we didn't mention at the beginning of this. We episode. didn't say that at the beginning of this podcast. Maybe we'll add it on. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, good movie, fun watch. Yeah, um, yeah, very uh, interesting. Lots of twists and turns. You know, um, some enough levity that uh, doesn't get too depressing. <laughs> yeah, it's a super. It's an enjoyable film. It's not. Not my favorite horror film ever, or film of that. No, I mean no, genre, I wouldn't but, say that either. But or even just film, it's good. It's really good. I enjoyed it, and it's really well done. And it's like an excellent in terms of like, uh, uh, first like directorial debuts. Yeah, no, very good for a de- directorial debut. Actually, it's, I mean, you know, once again, it's uh, a little bit disingenuous. I mean, it's his, it's his first. First film that he's ever directed, but yeah, it's not like he's completely inexperienced. No, he's in no way a novice, as we have learned. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but yeah, but yeah, yeah, it's you don't normally expect a first film to be uh to be yeah the the kind of quality. That and he is. he's already in in mid career form, right out of the exactly. Gate. Well, I mean, you don't you don't expect directorial debut to win an Oscar. Yeah, ex- but I mean, he didn't win it for best director. He won it for best screenwriting. But yeah. Whatever. Whatever. Has he has he written a screenplay before? I mean, presumably for the series that he was on, but uh, like a film did, screenplay. Uh, yeah. Did he write Keanu? Yeah, he co-wrote Keanu, not with Michael Keaton. Not this is not his debut screenplay. No, but his debut yeah. directorial. Okay. So yeah, there you have it. Yeah, definitely. That is our uh, that's our episode for this week. Unless you have any more final yeah. thoughts. Uh no, I don't think so. But I would uh, I'd like to give a shout out to all our listeners in Bulgaria. Fuck yeah! Wow. Yeah, that's a that's a fun one to yeah. say. What Bulgaria? Yeah. It's a place never been. Yeah. Uh, I'd like to go one day. You know, 
Maybe I don't want to go. Yeah, maybe I don't want to go. Yeah, Bulgarian listeners, you should send... <laughs> I mean, nothing against you, Bulgaria. I just don't know anything about you. Send Jake an email. Um, Tell me about why I should come to Bulgaria. Yeah, podcast at jakedelmastro.com. Yeah. Why should Jake... Um, exactly. But yeah, thanks for listening. See you guys next week. Brand new with another movie. All right. Peace out.